I'm tearing up. <laughs> it's just about hate. screamed right now, but I'm not even there. <laughs> now that's inspirational, Natalie. <laughs> I feel inspired today. Part two I, of I, this. Can, I could be here for another <laughs> no. hour. Yeah, I always go, he winds up homeless on the street. It's my fault. I don't know what got into my head, but I thought, I thought this thought, you know, if I'm working year round, I might as well get paid year round. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education and Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and subscribe today. Now, it's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sweet Talk, our weekly podcast for Idaho State University continuing education and workforce training. Hey, Gary, I'm right on the radio voice today, aren't I? You've got it right. And it's perfect, too, because we're going into a long weekend. I, I love being able to end the week on a Friday with a great podcast. So thanks for doing all that, man. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Yeah, long night, a little sick puppy, but I'm glad uh, she's doing better already. And, you know, my day's starting to look up. And now we have this this great podcast. Uh, what, a, what a way to start the Friday. Yeah. Super. For a, anyone who's never joined us before, Gary Salazar is the Director of Continuing Education and Workforce Training, or as we like to call it here, sweet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is sweet. This is, after all, sweet talk. <laughs> yeah. So, Gary, um, uh, we have Angela, uh, uh, Angie joining us again, as always. She's like our regular host now <laughs> yes she is she's she's coming on strong she's probably going to take the lead on a lot of a lot of the questions here but uh, as before i think if something pops in into your or my mind you know we want to ask uh maybe we'll get some of those in but angela's been awesome for everybody who doesn't know she is our marketing coordinator and is doing a fantastic job we're getting a lot of good stuff that's coming out of her office right now for many different programs and there'll be more stuff with our within our catalog and she can talk about some of that later on uh, with respect to our guests. Welcome, Angela. Glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You were touring this wonderful, uh, our, our guest around uh, yesterday or the day before, and I got a chance to meet her. Maybe you'd like to do a quick uh, hello to her and bring her into our podcast. Yes. Joining us today is Karen Trumbull. She is a goat farmer and goat cheese maker as well as a master food preserver who has shown some interest in teaching classes for us in 2023. So welcome, Karen. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, thank you for the intro. Um, I was born and raised here in Southeast Idaho and I moved away for college, then ended up in Oregon, then Washington, and we are now back. So uh, I brought my herd of Alpine dairy goats. Then. Ooh to um to get the the quality lines you want you it takes a generation or two in your goat herd so i feel like i've got some pretty good goats out there and i thought i'd bring them over well we are very excited to have you on today can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with goat farming and goat uh, milk and cheese well, it really started with my mom. Uh, when we were here, uh, we lived out in Moreland on a pretty big place, and my dad had dairy cows, and my mom had dairy goats. And so the dairy goats produced the milk to feed the baby calves, and then we could sell all the cow milk. So I was in 4-H for eight years, and I was in FFA for four years, and did leadership roles with that, and traveled the country with different um 
FFA events and uh, went to many fairs, showed many animals, and uh, and then I got married to a city boy, and we <laughs> lived in the city for a while. <laughs> and he I, doesn't know goats or cows, city boy. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> in fact, honestly, he's allergic to them. So oh. he really, it's real oh. bad. It's real bad. So uh, anyway, um, we were finally able to buy some property out in Washington, and he, I, like the first two weeks, I had goats already, and uh, it just went back from there. Well, that's very, very interesting and exciting. So with the goats, you you actually answered my next question, which was how long have you been involved with this? It seems like it's been a really lifelong love for you. Um, I have grown up with uh, equines and as well and have a little bit of knowledge on cows. And I'm interested for to ask you what how you have to take care of these goats in order to produce the cheese and the milk because from what I understand sometimes the different feeds uh, that they get can um, influence the quality or taste of the milks. Right so the same for cows and goats what they take mm -hmm. in they're going to reprocess and create a product. Mm -hmm. So if you're my girls I give them a molasses grain at their dairy feeding otherwise they're out on grass they have hay and um, of course plenty of water but that a little bit of molasses in their feed gives just a touch of sweet on their milk and it it wow. goes it feeds out into what you're drinking oh my oh my i i i got i just had this revelation when you said that your girls i'm thinking well, what about the boys but then i just now realized the boys don't do milk do they <laughs> Nope, they don't do milk and they don't do alfalfa. City boy. Yeah. Welcome to Birds and Bees 101. <laughs> oh, okay. So what you mentioned early on, I'm sorry, Angela, I got to ask this. Too. No, what, go ahead. What is, what is a herd? I mean, how, how many do you have is that qualifies as a herd? <laughs> well, uh, well, at this minute, so I'm milking eight girls right now. I'm calling them girls. They're my girls. They come to me. They they know their names. They're awesome. Um, I've got eight girls milking right now, and then I actually just added to my herd four yearlings that I'll be breeding this fall, plus the four yearlings I raised from last year. So I'll be milking possibly sixteen next year. Oh my gosh! So, and those are the milkers. And then I do have three herd sires because I need to make sure that I don't breed, you know, dads to daughters. I'm not uh -huh, into that. Uh -huh. um, because you don't want that doubling up on specific genetics okay. and um and that's pretty much i have does and i have a few bucks oh wow does so, and uh, does and bucks are, are deer <laughs> is that what i'm talking about does and bucks deer okay. deer a female deer <laughs> okay but uh, oh, this is silly i you don't you're not milking the does are you so does okay. are female goats Oh, 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 goats. Yeah, doe goats are female. Doe goats. Okay, yeah. all right. And then buck boys. Buck boys. No buck. deer. No deer at all. No, no deer. Yeah. No, this is all goats. All goats. Your, your husband's going to laugh. He goes, yeah, that's what I thought, too, when I heard this first time. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I, I better stop. Paul, you. So, yeah. So um, so you, you uh, grew up with goats um, and you were uh, milking the goats to give to the uh, dairy cows. But then how did you get into the goat cheese? So 
it, it, technically, so on our little farm, I've got a milking goat. So I'm bringing in gallons of milk. So what I've told people is I, I raise crops. So when the first, when the goats, the does give birth, I raise their babies. So their babies get raised. They're taken away from the mamas because on dairy goats, they're giving up to a gallon to two gallons of milk per goat. And one baby goat doesn't need that much milk. So at birth, they're taken away. I let my mamas take a look at their babies and they get a babysit for a day or two, but they don't get to feed them. So once they know they're safe, they, and their hormone levels even out, they're good to not even bother with the babies anymore. They don't care. So I, I raise the baby goats and at two and three months when they're weaned, I then actually purchase another baby animal to raise on that milk, unless I'm making more cheeses and soaps regularly. So my next crop here, what I did this summer was I went and bought some Charlet Holstein um, calves, some heifers, and I've raised them and they're now more than double in size and they're at three months old. They've totally excelled on goat milk because goat milk is an, a very easy interspecies milk due to the fact that it's, it's naturally homogenized. So it doesn't separate out into cream and non-cream immediately. It, if you leave some in the in the fridge for a few days, you will get a little bit of a header of cream, but it's it doesn't automatically separate out like a cow's milk does. Okay, you, so I, I, I'm sorry. Now you brought in cows. Did I get that right? I, I'm trying to stay up with the batting order here. Yeah. Okay, she, she only uses it for reference. She only uses it as a reference. <laughs> You're bringing in cows or milk also, or are these meat cows? Well, what I was referencing was I raise crops of baby animals. So crops I of goats. baby animals. Yeah, I call them crops. They uh, are sellable. They are raisable for something future. So it. I raise baby goats, and now I've raised baby calves. And those calves are now out in the field on grass. Okay. So okay. you had the excess milk that you Just needed milk. to to do something with. Yes. Um, so that's how you got into that's the cheese it. making. Um yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, were you just making the cheese for yourself initially or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, and the easiest ones are chev and ricotta and mozzarella. Those are the three easiest cheeses. Soft cheeses. Soft cheeses. Okay. So are you just strictly making soft cheeses then? Uh, right now? Yes. I do have okay. a cheese press. I have two okay. cheese presses and I've got the, and the, you need the wax and yeah. How much, how much milk do you need to create? Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't need a lot, but to actually have a good yield of cheese, how much milk do you need and how much, I guess, how many goats you need to make that amount of milk, I guess. Well, for, for one family, um, there's, there's a rule of thumb out there that if you're producing the milk specifically for your family and specifically for drinking and cheeses, you'll want one goat per person. Now, when you're making cheese, a common recipe will yield about one gallon to one pound of cheese. Now, wow. were you making the cheese wow. just for your personal use initially? Yes. yes. Okay. So how, when did you transition? I mean, are, you're selling it, correct? Mm -hmm. um, and so, not yet at this time. Not there's yet at this regulation. time. There's always state and county regulation. Okay. But is that your plan is to yes. sell cheese? Okay. Excellent. And I also heard you say soap. Soap. Yeah. I heard soap too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, goat. <laughs> goat soap. Okay. Um, what kind of, I mean, I kind of understand the process of making cheese, I think, but how do you make soap? 
So soap, so you're gonna need a, a chemical or the recipe I use, you always wanna say it that way because there's so many recipes out there and there's so many ways to do all of this. Mm-hmm. So the recipe I use, I use some lye and it comes in a, you know, a bottle and it doesn't take a lot of it. So you need, um, I use a mixer specifically and it, I bought a mixer off of eBay long ago and it's got a glass base and a glass, um, it's got a glass base and a steel turner. It's a stand mixer, man. I can't come up with the words, but, and you have to do it with ventilation because lye is a caustic ingredient. But from there, I'm adding in shea butter, coconut butter, or coconut oil, shea butter. Uh, you're adding in your different um, lubricants, plus your, your, and at a point in the recipe, you do your milk and your lye, and it does not take a lot of goat milk. But what it does is it adds a creaminess and a softness to the soap, so it's softer on your skin. Okay. And it's, and it it's so <laughs> when did you start making soap and uh, and, what, and what made you go i'm gonna make soap <laughs> oh, you know if, well if you go to fancy markets they've got goat milk soap and they're mm-hmm. selling them for four or five six dollars a bar because it's so if you're gonna look at an end product that's going to do some kind of return on your money it's a great it's a great product now do you have to add scents to the soap or is or is it you just can, the okay all right definitely, and of course essential oils are the first go-to mm-hmm. and wow. then you can also add coloring so yeah so you're you're planning to you know take all the stuff you're doing and you're you're hoping to make a, a business down the road selling the goat milk product and the cheese and 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 soap am i right yeah because I can do a few hours of labor and then set it up in a stand outside my house. Mm-hmm. And then people can come during the day and pick up what they want and need. And we can do an honor system with, you know, a change box and wow. just make it a simple, um, yeah, just a simple interaction. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey and, and what's the, going to be the name of your company? Have you gotten that far? Uh, that sounds like a fun thing to, to think about. Um, I'm tempted to stay with, so with goats, especially, so with dairy goats, there's a called an American Dairy Goat Association. So ADGA and uh, right now my farm name is Hales Valley Ranch because I grew up out in Moreland and that was my mom's herd name through ADGA 25 years ago. Oh. So I yeah. bought the name back and I'm tempted to stay with that. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, oh no. how cool. Oh. You know, some, um, some really good future planning mm-hmm. in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so in the initial, to change subjects just for a second here, uh, when Angie first introduced you, she said something about a um, master canner or. Yes. It's called a master food preservers course. Yeah. Master oh, food, food preserver. Food preserver. Yeah. What is a master food preserver? Right. Now this <laughs> one's fun because I've been doing a little research since I talked to Angie. Uh, so out in Clark County, Washington, a master food preserver, oh my goodness, master food preserver course is offered through uh, Washington State University Extension Office. And what it is, it's a six-week course where one t- one week, one day a week, the group gets together and is instructed on different facets of food preservation, and with the science and the information behind it as to why everything needs to be done safely and correctly. And then once this class is completed, the people are 
certified master food preservers. And then they go out into the community and they do um, pressure gauge testing and uh, more smaller classes, such as like a straw, you know, a strawberry jam class or a bread in a bag class. But the the different courses or in the different classes are pickling. So you can pickle dilly beans and cucumbers uh, and um, and garlic. And then there's also the strawberry jam in the jam classes and the preserve class. Then there's a jerky and dehydrating class. And because on the dehydrator, you can do everything, herbs, meats, um, vegetables and fruits. And then there's a freezing class to properly get your vegetables and fruits prepared for the freezer. Cause it's not just, Oh, look, look I'll just throw it in. And, um, and then there's the deep, the pressure canning classes. And that's for low acid foods, meats and vegetables. And then the water bathing, which is for fruits and pickles. Wow. Yeah. Wow. is right. Wow. Now, every one of those things you mentioned, those, those are like full classes, aren't they? Or is this all one class that could be taught? Well, so in the Master Food Preserver course, it's six weeks and each day is six to eight hours long and you have lab time and you're learning just pickling. And then the next one, you're learning just dehydrating and you're going to go through, you know, how to do bananas and applesauce and apple purees and in the dehydrated class. And then you're going to do a pressure canning class and pressure canning takes a little minute because you got to get when you're doing a full demo on pressure canning, it takes a while to get that can canister up to temperature. And then it, it takes the processing time and then the decompressing time after. So it's a, it's, it takes a little bit of time to do pressure canning. Yeah, I, I can see. And, and, and also these are hands-on classes, right? It's not something that you, you just sit and learn sitting down, you, you get your hands in there and start fiddling with the pressure devices or whatever that is and the cans and, and, I, and that stuff has to be sterilized too, doesn't it? I mean, um, when you when you put stuff in that glass jar and you and you you know vacuum seal it or whatever you do, well, that thing has to be a city boy. Come on, that has to be pretty clean, right? <laughs> yes, cleanliness is very. You know, before I start canning anything, I I have to clean my whole kitchen first. It's just a thing, and then really the jars are put. You can put them in your dishwasher and get them run them through a, a sterilizing cycle, and then you can just leave them in your dishwasher and pull them out as you're filling them. So awesome. How long have you been interested in in food uh, preservation? Is it something that you grew up with or is it something that you uh, kind of were attracted to later on? So with food preserving, you know, I think I've been interested in it in a long time. My mom was a heavy duty canner. Any extra produce went right into a jar. Uh, we raised our own huge garden. Um, and the background of just being a canner and a food preserver is the fact that in earlier times, people raised all of their gardens and all their food themselves, and it had to last the whole year. So they made sure and did, you know, 52 quarts of green beans or 52 mm. quarts of peaches because you wanted at least one a week. And when you think of it that way, it's like, oh, you know, 32 isn't that many as long as you're using it in your regular food. Right. So uh, I became a master food preserver in 2008. You know, I just had a little bit of time on my hands. I saw the class was available and I'd already been canning for five years. So I thought, well, I'm going to go learn the safety information and the science behind it. And I did learn a few new tricks and, and tips. 
And it was totally worth it because I'm learning from the community and not everybody knows the safety mm-hmm. behind what needs to do and what, what type of tools there are to- specific mm-hmm. tools when you're doing food preservation. So it was good to know that. So it uh, also probably made you a more well-rounded food preserver as well, uh, giving you new skills for, you know, stuff that you might have not have uh, preserved previously. Yeah, well, it opened the door to more things. So I've actually taught out in the community many classes. One of them is dehydrated meals in a jar. So if you're looking for emergency, I, I know, don't blow your mind. Hold on. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's an amazing concept and there are so many facets to it, but it's creating a meal like, let's say, rice and rice and herbs and dehydrated chicken even. I don't know if you've heard of freeze-dried meat. Oh, yeah. And free fruit, right? Well, you can create meals in a jar, and then that jar can be sealed, and you can use a seal a meal because there are attachments for jars, and you pull the air out of that, and that's good for as long as the shortest shelf life of the items inside. So that's wow. usually dairy product at five years. Wow. So, but that jar can now be put into a pot, add your 10 cups of water, and you have over 10 servings of food with one quart jar of dehydrated and freeze-dried items. And they already have seasonings and flavor in them. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Really incredible. Hey, hey, uh, Paul and Angela, I don't know if you heard it, but but our our timer did go off. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. So I uh, can I I mean I I mean I know you're teaching classes, but I got one one uh, and we want to talk about that for, before we wrap up. But um, what does your husband think about all of this? <laughs> you know, he's kind of along the ride. I, 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 he's along I, for the ride. He's, he's allergic for his animals. <laughs> you know, when I have to practice things and he has to eat them. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you said he was a city boy, and then uh, it sounds like he's like you're kind of in really taking the you know the the you know farm culture or you know uh, self maintaining culture um, that he's probably not used to growing up. Yeah, but he's been around it a few years now. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So he's he's seen it as it's developed, and and I have a food wall where I've. I've I have a half gallon jars full of different kinds of beans and different things because I do a, a soaking and uh, dehydrate um, a soaking and sprouting courses too. So we practice with grains and beans and, and uh, he's seen it. He's seen a lot. <laughs> so he's your, he's your guy. You, you experiment on. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, before we started, I was told that uh, you're going to be teaching some classes for us this spring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm developing which ones will work best. And then I did get a hold of the extension office to see if they want to use me as a teacher for the Master Food Preserver course here. So that'd mm-hmm. be a bigger set. But I can, I'm, I'm putting together the cheese classes, but it's got to be when milk's mm-hmm. available. Um, so the first few may be uh, milk straight from the store, you know, cow milk classes mm-hmm. where we make cheese. And then we can make, uh, do more classes when the goats are producing, you know, they give birth yeah we're gonna have to uh, figure out a schedule for some of these classes i hadn't thought about that either so that's a good point 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to to when those classes come about. And I know Angela is going to be uh, working with you on getting those into our catalog. Uh, so uh, the more research you do, the more fun stuff you come up with from, you know, whether it's, I don't know, goats or cows or does or or, or, or herds or you know, all those technical terms. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Yeah. Hey, hey, Paul, our, our time's up. I mean, why don't we let uh, Angela say goodbye and then you can close us up. What do you think? I I, I could be here for another half hour. hour. Yeah, this has been fascinating. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I don't think we have a long enough series to actually cover everything that Karen knows. Oh my, um, so yeah. she's very, very interesting. If you are interested in taking any class Karen offers, please keep a lookout for our spring 2023 courses. Those should hit about December. Those should open up uh, January. They will be open for sure, but that catalog should hit your mailbox in December if you're in the Pocatello or Blackfoot area. If you're if anyone is interested in taking similar classes, we do have some culinary arts classes and a microgreen class uh, currently available. You can find take a look out for all of Karen's classes or find current classes at cetrain.isu.edu. And thank you very much, Karen, for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you for having me. And if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at cetrain at isu.edu or give us a phone call at 208-282-3372. Karen, I am I have enjoyed this podcast so much. I, we have to have you on again. I've got so many questions. You, you probably, probably noticed I had lots of questions this episode. <laughs> Not a problem. I'm, I'm willing. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Very, very cool. Thank you very much, Karen. And everybody, y'all be safe out there, okay? All right. Be safe.